if you've, uh, even if you, I mean, if you grew up in Sunday school, even if you never read your Bible, you heard about Gideon. Everybody heard about Gideon. And if you haven't heard about Gideon, you're going to hear about Gideon today. And, uh, and really it starts off, the, the, the book of Judges is, uh, is identified by right at the early part of the book where it says, um, everyone did what was right, what seemed right in their own eyes. That was their, that, that was a description of what was going on in Israel at that time. They had come through, God had blessed them, given them the promised land, told them if they followed him and served him with all their heart, they would be blessed, and uh, they did for a while and didn't. They, they went into the promised land and they defeated part of the enemy, but not all of the enemy. And the enemy came back and the deception that came with the, 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 the synchronizing of the children of Israel and these foreigners with foreign gods um, corrupted the, the nation and brought the nation under idolatry and sin. It was, a, it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. It was something that they would have probably, when they started, think, thought that it would, could never happen. But it did. And, uh, and because of that, because of their sin, they were open to all kinds of, of, uh, of trouble in the land. More than trouble, defeat. They were being oppressed. They were being oppressed by their enemies. And they didn't know how to get out. And so it starts off in verse 1. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Isn't that interesting? It's a seven-year period. Because there is actually a type of the Redeemer coming in Gideon as uh, Jesus will come at, at the end of the tribulation period as well. There's a, there's a picture in there. It's not the main storyline, but there is that picture there. And it says, so they're, they're, they've been under oppression of the Midianites for seven years. And it says, in the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds, which are in the mountains. Now, when, when the Midianites would come in, and it didn't, this didn't happen all at once. It, it was a progression. But they started coming in and, and invading where, where, um, the, the farmlands. And, uh, and they would bring in, th then eventually they got to the place where the, it was not only the Midianites, but um, it, you know, it was, uh, the, there was the, whole, the, the people from the east, the scripture says, and, uh, and that they came in with uh, a, a, a mass of not only people, but, but they brought all their livestock. And they just devastated the farms. Absolutely devastated them. And left nothing. The scripture says that, that they de de destroyed the produce and left nothing left. So Israel is starving. They're trying to, they're trying to survive. It's, they've gone seven years, and that's, a, that's a, something to remember. And it came to pass, it says in verse 7, it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. And my question is, why did it take so long? 
I mean, there, there's, a, there's something going on here. It's seven years down the road. They've, they've been under this oppression, and finally, it gets to the place that things get so bad, they pray. Isn't sometimes that's how we operate, too? You know, it's kind of like things have gotten so bad, we have to pray. It's gotten that bad? Yeah, it's gotten that bad. Well, the problem is that they're praying, they're crying out to God, it says. But they're crying out to God because of the circumstances they're in. And that is not the problem. That's their, that's their perceived problem. But the problem is not the circumstances. The problem is their sin that caused this thing to happen. And they're completely ignorant of that at this point. They're, all they're really crying out to God for is that their circumstances change. Sometimes in our life, circumstances, bad situations, bad things that are happening are, in fact, a result of our actions, are a result of our sins sometimes. I'm not, I don't have the theology that every time something goes wrong or every time somebody's sick, that that's because of sin. That's not accurate. That would be, that would be a damaging, uh, inaccurate uh, you know, idea of, of what, how God operates. But sometimes it is. Sometimes it's directly correlated to individual sin. Sometimes it's directly correlated to group sin and uh, national sin. We all face the consequences and, 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 and people, individuals face consequences of national sin and because you have to live in the country that's being that's not receiving the blessing of God and I think that's the thing that is shaking some of the the world today at least Christians we're seeing not only our nation uh, starting to um, pay the price and paying the price for years of sin and I'm glad that there is somewhat of an awakening in the church, not everywhere, but somewhere, some, at least somewhat of an awakening in the church to recognize that we've got to, we've got to call upon God. We need God. We need a miracle. I mean, we are in a mess. Last week, you realize that, that all but one Democratic senator voted to legalize abortion until birth. That's never been. That was not Roe v. Wade. We have never gone that far, not even close. And if it wasn't for one senator, Democratic senator, it would have passed. How, how far have we come that our children are being, uh, well, we're talking about child abuse in, 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 in a place where hormonal therapy is done to little kids because they're confused. And they're brought, the confusion is brought upon them. I was listening to a 22-year-old woman who had gone through the whole transsexual uh, process in her life. Um, and it was a you know, and, and now she comes back, she says, she regrets all of it. This is what she said. She says, when I was a teenager, um, I was feeling uncomfortable in my body. Then she said this, 
What teenager doesn't? But she was told because she felt uncomfortable in her body that that meant she wasn't, you know, that she was another gender. She was not supposed to be a girl. She was supposed to be a boy. And now she, after going through that comment, she says, that was not the case. I was tricked. I was deceived. And I bought into it. I was ignorant. What are we doing? What are we doing to our kids? What are we doing to our nation? I mean, our nation, the world, it's not just our nation. It's the world. I, I just found out this morning that Australia, they voted in this total massive liberalism in their nation that has never been before. In fact, they're getting ready to pass a law that outlaws, that, that takes control of all all the, all the uh, harvesting and farmland, any, any food that's produced, it's government controlled to the place that if you grow a garden in your backyard, not only is it confiscated, but then you pay the government be- for the fines for having the gar- garden and for those who have to come in and remove it. Better not have a tomato plant. That, that is not, that's, that's Australia. The world is transforming and we need people who will stand up and recognize, but you know what? Listen, this is where it starts. It doesn't start with seeing what's the, the pain and the suffering that comes along with sin. It's recognizing sin itself. It's identifying and praying. One of the things we'll talk a little bit about next week is identification repentance, which is a biblical uh, principle that breaks down strongholds and where the innocent identifies with the sinner and asks for God's forgiveness. That's what we do when, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? And, and, and that, 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 that humility turns into um, a repentance that ter- they will turn from their w- wicked ways. Well, who's the they? What's well, a nation? And some of those wicked ways are not the same things that we ourselves are doing. But it's still our nation. And they're bringing, because what we have to understand is we have to understand that there, are, to, that, that there has to be um, spiritual breakthroughs. There, that's, that, it, there certainly has to be things that we do and we take advantage of, but there has to be spiritual breakthroughs. And I'm preaching too much and getting to get back to my work, this teaching right here. <clears throat> so they cry out to the Lord, and what does the Lord do? Well, he answers them and destroys the enemy and gives them their land and fruitfulness. No, that's not what he does. When, the, when they cry out to God, this is what he does, that the Lord sent a prophet. And the prophet speaks to the children of Israel, and he says in verse 8, who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you out of the houses of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites or those uh, whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So what does God do? God says, okay, you want, you want to change things? Well, it gets back to your own heart. 
It gets back to your disobedience. And so God brings a prophet to say, your problem is you. It's not the Midianites. We thought it was the Midianites. It's not the Midianites. It, it's not, listen, the problem is not, it, it's not our politicians. Oh, we need new ones. But it's not our politicians. The problem really always goes back. This is what has happened. The church has been asleep. Asleep. For more than 50 years. Easy. Asleep. It's been asleep at the wheel. And as long as things to be, seem to be manageable, we've allowed... How did, how did so much happen in our school system that has become absolutely devastating the 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 things that are being taught and how did that happen the church has been asleep we've been we've been walking you know we've been in a stupor and that's been the problem and you can say i wasn't okay good and let's 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 press in i believe there's things that we can do and this this uh this portion gives us a little start. Now it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, Abizite, while uh, his son Gibeon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So Gideon is hiding the wheat. You don't press wheat um, in the winepress. You press wheat out in the open air. But he is pressing because he wants to hide. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. It doesn't look like he is. He's hiding. He's not out there with his sword. He's not out there ready to fight the Midianites. He's hiding. And God sees, God calls those things that aren't as though they are. And God sees that Gideon is, God, God sees Gideon in his potential. He doesn't see him where he is. He sees Gideon in what he can be. I, here, I'll, I'll just, just humor me here. Um, turn to someone and say, hi, mighty woman of valor, hi, mighty man of valor. There's one sitting next to you. There's, there, there's a, there's a, there's a, a powerful man or woman of God right there. And so Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, okay, here's this mighty man of valor, right? Great, wouldn't you say man of faith and power? If, Lord, you're with us, then Why? Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? I mean, we're in such a mess. If you're really with us, why is this all happening? That, that's a question being asked right now. If you're with us, Lord, why is all this happening? And, and why aren't we seeing all the miracles which we heard about? We read about it in the Bible. Where are they? Why aren't we seeing the miracles? And, uh, and he says, 
Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord, and the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. He just kind of ignores his comment that he makes to, to God. God. He says, well, you know, look, where, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you doing anything? Why haven't you delivered us? And God says, go. And then he says, go in the might of yours. What might? Does he have any might? He's good at threshing in the wine press. He says, you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now, Gideon, this mighty man of valor, then goes and he said to him, O Lord, how can I save Israel? Great man of faith. He's arguing with God. God's saying, I'm going to use you. I got great things for you. I got power. I'm going to use you. You're going you're to deliver your nation. And he's arguing with God. I'm really wondering if he really wants the call. Maybe he's, he's wavering in that. Maybe he's wondering. Maybe he's just saying, maybe the cost is too much. And uh, he says, oh, my Lord, I, I can't, how can I save you? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and the least in my father's house. And we got the, we got the smallest tribe and we got the weakest and I'm the weakest in my father's house I mean everybody I'm I'm the low I'm the lowly I'm I'm a worm and Lord said to him surely I'll be with you I'm glad I, I like that God doesn't argue with him about this and says oh no Gideon you're just amazing you just don't understand how great you really are. You just don't understand all the gifts. He, he doesn't argue with them. Not this is what he says to them. Basically, he's acknowledging, yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you don't got much, buddy. You know, the scripture says, in fact, Samuel said this to Saul. When Saul was... Um, when Saul had um, disobeyed God, and it was, now it was the end of his, his uh, reign as king because he had disobeyed God. He made the sacrifice. He didn't wait for Samuel to come. And Samuel comes, and there's a rebuke, and there's a, you know, a brokenness of, in Samuel's heart. But Saul, it's over for you. And, and he made this statement. He said, when you were small in your own eyes, the Lord made you king but now why, why could he be used of God the way he was when he was small in his own eyes see God is not trying to make the, we, we, we get this wrong I mean there is the fact that God has done great things there's a great call on our life and all those kinds of things but, but never we can never trust in even the things that God has created in us even done in us even the gifts that he's given us those can never be the, the means by which we stand in the call of God everything is really dependent upon God and God's answer to Gideon's lack is one simple thing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
There are people in this room that you have a call on your heart and life. In fact, I actually believe everybody has a call from God. But you have particularly been in this place where God has been speaking to you about taking that next step in your life to a new place and being used of God in your, in your heart and life. And, and what you're doing is what Gideon has been. You've been kind of debating in yourself and you're debating with God about what, you know, what God is calling you or you feel the call of God in your life to do. And, and God is wanting to stretch us. You know, God is wanting to stretch us. I was talking to uh, Sean Youngblood just uh, it was a, w- a little while back. And you remember, some of you remember Sean when he felt God calling him to go and run for a school um, at, at the Placentia School District. And, uh, and he, uh, he took up the call and said yes to the Lord and the process of I don't know how I'm going to do this I don't know what's going on but he did he did did know one thing and one of the things he keeps going back to is God said he'd be with me and it has not been it was harder it what he's gone through is harder than he anticipated it would be because those in opposition to uh, his Christian values in a school district um, they weren't just local I mean, you have national uh, opposition. There are, there are groups whose to- sole intent is to make sure that there are not Christian values in the local public schools. And they came at him full force. And he's still standing. Praise God. And they were able to get some of the garbage out even just recently uh, out of the school. But the... the, the but some of you, maybe there's something of a sense of a calling. And as you're walking through that, the, the Lord's answer to you is not, yeah, you're good enough, you're powerful, you have enough, I can, you know, you, you'll make it, I've gifted you. It isn't that. It always goes back to this. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And uh, so God just says, Go. You know, and uh, and he says, "I'll be with you." And uh, <clears throat> and then Gideon asked for a sign. Okay, now he uh, he asked for a sign, and um, and he goes and gets an offering, brings it back to the Lord. By the way, when it says the angel of the Lord, we understand that this is a pre-incarnate um, manifestation of God. In, in actually uh, a Christology. This is Jesus before he was Jesus. Second person triune Godhead. And we know that because Gideon says he's talking with God. And um, so <clears throat> he, he offers an offering and it's consumed by fire. And, uh, and fire rose up and then Gideon starts to be afraid (laughs) okay he brings the offering he's talking with God he's having this conversation and then God shows up in a way that he in a in a fearful way Gideon needed this and we need it I remember when I came to Jesus I was attracted to 
the love and mercy and kindness of Jesus Christ. I was attracted to that he would accept me as is and he loved me and he would forgive me. I was attracted to that. I was attracted to the one who would love, who loved my soul. I was attracted to that. But I needed more than that. I needed also the God who is a consuming fire. I needed to know that that Jesus, that same Jesus, is the almighty God. I, I needed to know that he is a God who is holy and pure in every way. I needed that understanding too. I, my, in, my, in my youth of, of a believer, as my, in my, the youngness of my faith, uh, seeing Jesus as my buddy and friend was okay, but that was never going to sustain me. I needed more than that. I needed to see God in his fullness. And in his fullness is scary. When, when you see God in all of who he is, there is a scariness too. He is a consuming fire. There, there's, a, there's something that, that, there's a reason why the Bible says that the, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And that if you, you'll never have true wisdom and knowledge biblically in, 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 in relationship with God, you'll never really have it until you have that awe of God. That respect of God. That falling down on your face and going, you know, as John did, you know, as a dead man. Oh, oh, that's who you are. That's who you are, Jesus. And, and it, was, it was, Gideon is now saying, oh, I've seen God. And there was a saying in that point, if you see God, you'll die. And he says, I, I've seen God, I've seen God. I'm a dead man. <laughs> I'm going to die. And so, but he was okay. The Lord said to him, peace be to, with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Just because you see the holiness of God. Don't be afraid of the holiness of God. You won't die. You'll be changed. But you won't die. So he built an altar to the Lord and called, on the, the, called it the Lord is peace. To this day it is still in Oprah of Abiezite. I don't believe you get the peace until you have a God who consumes the offering with fire. Why? Because the gentle part of Jesus, and forgive me if I, I don't want to misrepresent anything, but when you understand, when all you understand is the love and gentleness of Jesus, that Jesus can't fix everything for you. He can't. When you go through, when, when things are falling apart, that Jesus isn't strong enough. But the consuming fire, he can handle your problems. Do you understand? And, and so, now, he, um, so, so God speaks to him now and, and, uh, and, and tells him, I'm, I want you to go and I want you to take uh, an offering and, uh, and, and you're going um, to tear down 
I want you to, to, to give an offering, built an offering, and an altar. And then I want you to tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Now, his dad has an altar to a false, the false god Baal. I mean, he's, he's, he's grown up. Look what he's grown up under. He's grown up under a god, uh, 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 his, his earthly father is a worshiper of a false god in his own home. But Gideon has stayed true to his love for the real God, the Lord, the Lord God. And he built, so he built an altar and he, he tears down. In fact, it says in verse 29, so Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him, but, be, but, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by, by day, he did it by night. This mighty man of valor snuck around and did it. Now, here's my question to you. Did he obey God or not? Absolutely. He did. He still obeyed God. He's, he, he was struggling with his, his fear. He's struggling with his, you know, he's, he, there's, a, there's some battle going on, but he's still doing what the Lord said to do. He followed through, even in fear. He said, yes, okay, Lord. And God honors him for that in his life. <clears throat> well, the men of the town said, who did this thing? And they said, it's Gideon. And Gideon, <laughs> Gideon's eyes are big, I'm just adding. Um, they're going to kill him. And he's thinking, I'm a dead man. And uh, Gideon's dad steps up and says, hey, let Baal fight for himself if he's really a god. So he defends his son. And uh, so then all of a sudden now the Amalekites, I mean the, the Amalekites and the Midianites and the people of the east gather and they've got a multitude. And you know this part of the story, but I want to jump into a couple of points. There's a multitude, um, somewhere between 135, 185,000 people. They, this, they, this is, they're like, uh, they're, they're just like a, a, uh, the, the swarm, swarm of locusts. And he's, he looks out, and, uh, and God lets him see what's going on. And so, so what did Gideon do next? God says, you're going to go defeat him. And what does Gideon do next? Well, you, you've heard of the Gideon's fleeces. In fact, he's well known for his fleeces. So what's a fleece? Well, he took out a animal fleece, wool, and he placed it on the ground. And uh, he says, God, if this is you, then I want you to do something. In the morning, I want this fleece to be filled with dew and the ground to be dry. And God does it. Then he says... So God did it, okay? So God says, okay. He, he, you would think by then he would go, okay, God, I, I see you did this miracle. That's good enough. He doesn't because he's such a mighty man of valor and so filled with faith. He says, well, God, if it really still is you, then would you, you know, do the opposite and make the fleece dry and the ground filled with dew, and God does it. 
And so he realizes, but he's not still, he's still not done. Now, it's a big deal. Let's face it. I mean, if this isn't God, he's going out to, to die and to, and to destroy the entire nation. So it's got to be, a, it's, it really needs to be God. And there's a lot of, I've heard uh, a lot of preachers preach this, and, and it's, there is a truth to it. Uh, there is no fleeces in the New Testament. We have the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean God doesn't answer those kinds of prayers. In fact, he does. And God still doesn't. But, but God guides us. We have the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and he, he required. But when we know, he's expecting us to respond. And, and, uh, and Gideon, but what you see here is this tremendous grace of God. That God's so patient with this man. He's been struggling. And some of you have been, God has been waiting for you to get off your butt and get out there and do something that the Lord's called you to. And he's just incredibly patient. And you're making still the same kind of excuses. Well, Lord, are you sure it's me and you're calling me? It's, I don't know. I don't have, you know. Is, I, don't, I'm, I don't know if this is God because I, I can't do this. And God is saying the same stuff to you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Stop being afraid. He says, but I'm just, you know, my wife's the one. She's got the gift. You know, she's got the passion. I'll just be here for support. Or I'm not, that's just not me. I'm not, you know, I'm, well, it is you. If you would let it be. The church, we don't have time for everybody to keep waiting to respond to God. America does not have enough time. And the answer is not the politicians. Let me tell you something. We can, I've, I've been hearing this whole thing like, you know, we're going to be, res the rescue is on the way. You've heard that problem. The rescue is on the What they mean is that there's going to be a, trans, you know, the, the Republicans are going to win, and now we're going to be, the rescuers are on the way. Let me tell you, the Republicans are not going to fix this country. I'm, I'm, I, I certainly like some of their policies a whole lot better than killing all the babies. But I'm just telling you, if we put our trust in them, it's no different than us putting, than Israel putting their trust in Egypt. Our trust has to be in God, and that's the only answer, ultimately. I mean, we still need to vote right, and we still need to see what, but all of that is not the fix. That's just part of the obedience and doing what's right. But the, the fact is, we absolutely have to have God in all this. So Gideon, <laughs> so Gideon puts out this fleece, and then then God, uh, he gets up and he looks down in the valley, it says, and he sees this multitude. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. And I'm, I've, I've read that a hundred times. But <laughs> and it still cracks me up. God says, you have too many. Now, he's got 32,000, which seems like a good-sized army, but he's going against, that the, the, he's got these farmers He's got like 32,000 farmers, and he's looking down at a valley of 135 to 185,000 soldiers. And he's looking down, and he's going, and God says, 
And he's going, we are God. Man, if you, if we can win this battle, it is totally you. And God is going, oh no, you got too many. You'll take credit. I know you. He knows us. There is a problem. Yeah. And so, he, uh, he says, he says to him, anybody fearful? Anybody fearful, go home, 22,000. God says, too many. Take them down to the water. You got 10,000, take them down to the water. They all are thirsty. They all run to the water and drink. Says, God says, the ones that got on their belly and lapped like a dog, send them home. I need people who are ready. And he gets down to 300. And you know the story. That, that finally they're ready to go and, uh, and God knows that Gideon isn't ready. And in verse 10 of chapter 7 it says, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pure, your servant. God says, go, go just go down to the camp there. Where sneak, sneak down there at night and uh, you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pure, his servant, the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp, and he overhears them, and one of the men says, I had a dream. Verse 13, then Gideon had come. There was a man telling of a dream of a companion. He said, I have had a dream, and to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash. So Gideon's the loaf of bread. Is there anything, is there, is there anything less threatening than a loaf of bread? But God uses a loaf of bread to win a battle, to defeat the enemy. Surely, you've got more than a loaf of bread. And God can use you. And I can't tell you how God can use you. Only God can tell you how he can use you. But I would say to you, keep your heart open to big things. Big things. And little things. And everything that God would want to do through your life the way he defeats the enemy, the story goes, God told them, everybody gets a trumpet, there's 300, everybody gets a trumpet, everyone gets a vase, and everyone gets a lantern. They put the lantern in the vase, they crack it, they blow the trumpet, and the armies, the armies of the Midianites wake up they grab their sword. They think the enemy's coming. The first person they see, they chop off their head. And then they go, oh, Harry, I'm so sorry, buddy. <laughs> and they kill one another. Defeat, the enemy's defeated in a bizarre, ridiculous way. 
and God gets the glory. I believe God's not done with us. I, I, re, I got some hope. The, the reason why the Senate, and I'm just using one thing. I, there are two things that are telltale. I, I think we're on the way of destruction, but there are two things that are telltale. And um, one is, I believe, as a nation and how we, um, we attack Israel as a nation. I believe God is, God is a prophetic um, plan and the nations will come against Israel and as long as we have not, we, we've come close. We've done some things that have really hurt that. The other thing is how we treat our most innocent and I bring up the abortion issue because it's so prevalent right now in the issue. Then whenever I do that, I have to, you know, I acknowledge the fact that there's been well over 60 million and there are people in this building who have had an abortion. I mean, I know that. And I know some of, you, some of the, the ladies who have come to the other side of this and walk in the freedom and there's no guilt and they now have felt the experience, the grace of God in their life. And we have seen that happen through the, our entire ministry where God has done these wonderful things in people's lives. So I always have to acknowledge that and recognize that the pointing toward uh, the issue of abortion is not to condemn individuals who have already gone through that. We look to the grace of God. It's not to also um, for, you know, ignore it either. The fact is it is a damning, uh, it, uh, unrepentant, unrepentant is devastating eternally. Repentance in Jesus is forgiveness completely. But to, as a nation, you know, the nation of Israel, when it started to sacrifice its children, it became, the, the judgment that came upon that nation was, has, the, the, it took 2,000 years. They haven't even fully recovered. And uh, so I just would say to you what we're looking at, and there's a glimmer of hope, huh? It's not going to end abortion. The fact is, it... Uh, and we need, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. And you are the miracle. And Father, we thank you. Lord, there are a bunch of Gideons here, mighty men and women of valor that don't know it yet. And, uh, but Lord, if we could get a glimpse of what you can do through our lives. Lord, that's our desire. And I pray, Father, you would do a mighty work, Lord God, in each of our lives, that we would say to you today, oh Lord, we would say, Lord, could you use this loaf of bread right here in some way, Lord, in some way to make a difference in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my school, in my Lord, let me see what you see. Let me respond to your call. I pray, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and uh, let's close.
together. Oh, we worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the lids. Oh, and there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out. 